A clear morning in Hiroshima. The sunlight began on Amekawa's tatami. When it reached him, he switched off his low wattage light and raised his wristwatch, listened. Nothing. Nothing. He fastened the watch to his thin wrist, then drew a hand over his face. His body wanted the warmth of his futon, but she might be waiting at the bridge. He cast his covers aside and got to his knees. He placed his thin mattress on the shelf where it bothered nothing during the day. And still on his knees, he pulled aside the window curtain for his quadrilateral of sky. Craning his neck, he got better in the light. This light came reflected from a building across the street. He crawled to his heater and hit the ignition button. His thumbs gripped the brake in his pajama front. Yes, a cold winter. The coldest on record, the shop radio said. He blew a vapor patch, then surveyed his hands. Reiko's Norwegian moisturizer. But my nails tug here, and this palm remains unfeeling after decades, still tender. He reached for his slippers and stood to begin his tea. A blue flame rose from the countertop stove as he scraped glutinous rice from his cooker and dabbed a portion in a bowl, breaking an egg over the top. The saucepan lid lifted with steam, and he poured hot water on the tea leaves, brushing then the back of his neck. Oh, gas, gas, remember the gas. He switched off his countertop stove tapped his chopsticks for equality, then carried his meal to the floor heater where he sat, cross-legged. But he placed his food aside and picked up his manuscript, his latest work of errors, Motoyasu Bridge. He looked at its first three words in caps. An April rain fell as Japan faced its enemy. It fell when Amekawa met Sayuri. Sayuri was a girl of 16 who did not attend school at the time because she was required to help make ends meet. She sold paper flowers at a market in downtown Hiroshima. Her home was in Koi, so she passed the fuel hall before crossing Motoyasu Bridge for the core.
the city core. That is where she met Emikawa. Emikawa's home was in the east where Kyobashi and Motoyasu, where those branches of the river met, where the delta waters began a journey for the inland sea. Amikawa cycled the riverbank in shabby clothes because his school was assigned house demolition. The city needed firewalls. Japanese cities had been targeted during the winter and spring of 1945. March 9th had brought the first of the B-29 bombers. The enemy could now reach Japan from territory taken in the Mariana Islands. Tokyo had been decimated and principal cities stood in fear of a similar fate. Hiroshima, long used as a departure point for naval campaigns, was now also an Air Force command. Kamikaze pilots left for targets east. On one school trip, Amikawa had read one of their poems, written in blood on the white section of the Japanese flag. It read, I hope the harvest weather is fine, dear parents. Younger brother, please take care of our aging parents. I now drink my toast of water to the emperor. The teacher said pilots climbed into cockpits equipped only with daggers for self-use. At this later stage in the war, medals had become scarce. Officers had recently permitted troops a spring holiday for the purpose of fetching iron. A stockpile of bamboo spears stood behind the school, and all students were trained in their use for the coming invasion. The country manufactured bamboo bullets. Amikawa's father, Satsuma Akira, dealt in munitions. His factory lay in East Hiroshima and employed 100 Korean workers to produce rivets for the assembly of frigates. Satsuma warned his son to keep away from the facility. It's no time for a boy on his bicycle. His father had spoken harshly just this morning, which prompted Amekawa to leave his house early. Sunlight touched clay for what seemed the first time in weeks as the riverbank immediately fattened with life. Cherry tree blossoms sprang. A girl carrying paper flowers crossed Motoyasu Bridge for this little park. Seeing her, Amekawa ducked the pricks of branches. He got tangled, and the girl was now before him, raising her arm. He veered too sharply to avoid her, and he fell off his bicycle. Her eyes were heavy and her hair without sheen. On his bicycle, he wheeled to her front. This path is not for bicycles, she said, and she looked at him. People have seen you. You're well known as a nuisance. Her eyes went to his shabby clothes. Don't think I will apologize to a flower girl, he said. No, 
I don't expect apology from a schoolboy. My name is Amekawa, he called, pedaling off on his bicycle. He thought of what had happened during his demolition work. And when wheeling his bicycle from the shed, he thought more. On his ride home, he searched everywhere for her. He waited in filthy clothes on Motoyasu Bridge. His right hand was covered in a bandage, a bandage with a red dot, a dot of blood, dressing the wound his teacher had said. Have you received your tetanus shot? He shook his head, and the teacher seemed to expect no other reaction. The sun set as Amikawa looked at the river. Pink blossoms crowned the trees. He would tease her to gain the upper hand, except she was nowhere. And then darkness came. In bed, he knew what he would say. I'm off to Eugenia this Saturday. My family has a factory. His classmates would never talk to a girl. And what would his father say? Ah, why am I thinking of him when this moment has come? Emikawa at his window searched the night sky. I need her name. But I must get it while I'm on my bicycle. His father, Satsuma Akira, stabbed the breakfast rice. His jaws worked as he slurped miso and mixed egg yolk into rice. Sucking then at a tooth, he reached for seaweed. Hiroshi, it's time to marry. Your mother and I have found you a girl. The process will begin this week. Meeting place in Tokyo was reduced to cinders, the densest place on earth. 15 square miles of people in their beds. Peasants eat pumpkin stock and river reeds. The ration for a child, half a cup of rice. The emperor's not safe. Saturday, you and the girl. And Omiyai. Omiyai? You must meet her. She's the daughter of a friend. Your mother will set out your clothes. His father wiped his mouth and stood, aligned his necktie. I said, is that good, Hiroshi? It's good, Yoko bowed at her departing husband. She placed a lunchbox beside her son, cut in the fashion of the day his mother's short hair kept her at a distance. She raised chopsticks. We cannot ignore the war efforts, Hiroshi. You've been lucky. Fifteen is young, but marriage will keep you from military service. It will get you an office job. She stared at Amikawa. Is it your cut hand? 
Is that it? Amikawa tied a ribbon around his books and brushed his uniform for crumbs. His mother turned for the window as he left. The lunchbox rattled in his bicycle basket as he was passing through the garden. He saw bumblebees on tiny mekon oranges, and passing the shed he saw the chrysalis of a cabbage butterfly. He opened the gate, climbed on his pedals, and flew down the lane, air rushing over his head. At the riverbank clay, he wobbled his handlebars and looked back at his trail. He turned, and he increased speed. Marriage. He would take over the business one day and provide for them, but marriage. The military training in the fall is the way out. Amikawa slowed when he saw the cherry blossoms of the little park before Motoyasu Bridge. Thunderhead clouds were in the sky west. He scanned the area, tried to see past the river shacks. What was my time yesterday? He thought, as the stinks rose from below, from the clay pipes where dirty water trickled down green hair for the stone bank. The thunderhead gummed and rain pelted his forehead. He dashed for the cherry trees when the sky poured their quick rain. Lightning struck and shack windows flashed. Rain hit his uniform in charges, and under a dripping canopy he held his bike. But there she was, exiting a lane, her umbrella coming down. Her breast shook as she jumped a puddle. She had on a dress of blue cranes. She lowered her umbrella fully as she came to him and said, Good morning. An umbrella works better up, he said, as the cherry blossom came and settled on his nose. Winter is not done, she said, covering her mouth to laugh. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing at the lovely girl you would make. She approached, scraped the petal from his nose, and looked into his eyes. We meet, she said. I'm Ueno Sayuri. Amikawa-san. Amikawa, what a peculiar name. His heart beat. He felt it in his palms. Just where he held the rubber grips of his bicycle, she stepped back and bowed. No, she is not the frail girl of yesterday, but tall, elegant, sure of herself. Color was in her cheek. He saw her lip wait on an eye tooth, one that had bypassed its baby tooth. She moved her tongue, clucked, and then the rain burst. Come, take better cover, she said, raising the umbrella bringing them in near the tree trunk. You're just not the same girl, he said. Sure I am. The one you tried to run down. 
You have no flowers today. I go to an umbrella shop in this weather, she said. How did you know it would rain? The skies were blue. Oh, that's easy. You can smell rain. I'm on the side trip this morning to Hiroshima Castle for the prefecture's winning dolls. The castle, he said, is a military station. It's where captured Americans are. For this one day, they allow the public in, she said. Girls' Day. That was a month ago. War, she said, timing. The dolls are on a circuit around Japan. Emikawa knew of Girls' Day. It was March 3rd, Hina Matsuri, when girls host parties to boast their collections of dolls. They drink tea and they wear kimonos. The school had set a room aside for the dolls. Why does Sayuri wish to see this? She is no more a girl. And those dolls are costly. She read what he was thinking. It's for the art, she said. Art is for all times, including war. Will you come? 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 Hot, hot, hot. Amikawa drew back from the furnace. His pajamas were singed. He saw a flame. He beat at the flame, got to his feet, and he gazed at his wristwatch. Late, he thought. He set his dishes on the drying rack and undid his yukata. He pulled on his cold nylon pants and buttoned up his long sleeve shirt, tightening then his necktie. It was an old suit, but it was here and it was always ready to go. In his sunken entrance, he tied his shoes. He turned for his altar and nodded, lifted from the bin the umbrella from the day of the great mistake. He tried the mechanics. It got stuck years back but not forcing the mechanics, allowed the closure. Though stained, it made a fine walking stick. People today carry the collapsible. Oh, the manuscript, he thought. He had it in his hand. He thumbed the valise buckle. He descended the stairs and at the mailbox caught sight of his face in the mirror. His eyebrows, they needed a trimming but he could take a chance today. She will likely not show. Emikawa exited for the winter street of Hiroshima. (laughs) ¶¶